You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. dry bones to streams and fountains and rivers and that flows into our community into our families and our cities into our nation once it's flowed through our own lives and this morning father god we thank you for your absolute unconditional unwavering commitment changing the dry bones in our lives to rivers of life in your most beautiful and glorious name amen and glory awesome thank you team <coughs> how are we doing this morning those of you who need heat, you've got heat. Those of you who need cold, you've got cool. Um, and some of you are just stuck in a place that you don't want to be and are trying to figure out how to get out of there. And that wasn't a prophetic statement, but maybe it was. Hey, Lionel? Something prophetic in that? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I'm fortunate. I am in the cool breeze and I'm not in the hot because sometimes I think I'm going through menopause. Um, and I just battle with the temperature where nobody else seems to seems to be. But, uh, oh, there is an echo here today. Uh, oh, I need to behave a little bit. How many of you want me to behave? Glory, hallelujah. Fantastic. Well, I'm here to have a lot of fun this morning. No, Jade? No, no behaving? Absolutely. Who knows what book I'm going to share from this morning? Maybe Nehemiah, maybe not. How many of you, th- how many of you think I'm sharing from Nehemiah this morning? How many of you don't? Four, five. Okay, I'm going to share from two books, one of which will be Nehemiah. So you're all right this morning. Fantastic. So I've been sharing on the, on the book of Nehemiah, and, and part of it is that it can be so cliche when we say we're going to a new season, you know, like... Every morning I can wake up and go, oh, there's a new season. I can prophesy over you, oh, you're going into a new season. It just becomes so, so cliche that sometimes we just don't take it seriously. You know, okay, well, I had that word last year. I had that word. I know it's a new season. Everything, everything is, a, is a new season. But it's to know what the new season is and what we are going to, to do about it. And there is just, for me, there's just no ways that the world, that the economy, that the healthcare system, that travel, that, that schools, that business, that that technology, there's no ways we could have gone through the past two years 
and not realize that something is and has fundamentally changed in our lives. You know, you, you've got to be on, on some island, you know, um, to be able to do that. Even, even nowadays, you can't even get onto islands. Even Mauritius is closed down, down to us, you know. Um, and so I'm sharing on the cupbearer Nehemiah, a man who's serving the Persian king. And I just want to thank you for coming through because part of my, part of my dilemma is when people don't arrive every week, and I know sometimes we can't, you, I feel the need to recap last week to make this week have a bit of relevance to you. And sometimes it just like wastes time. So um, I'm trying hard not to, to, to recap. But here's a man who's serving a Persian king, an enemy king, and he gets gripped by God. He has an encounter. He has something where God puts a fire in him. Holy Spirit, won't you this morning remind us of the fire that you put in us or put a fire in us? And if I wasn't in church on Sunday morning, I'd say, Lord, won't you put a cracker up some people's you-know-whats this morning so that we can understand more of what Holy Spirit wants for us. And he is 800 miles away from his city, 800 miles away from his family, 800 miles away from his people. And he gets this vision of what God wants to do. He gets a passion to rebuild the walls. And the passion turns to vision and the vision grows and he's able to do something about it. I'm honestly convinced, and it came to in the worship this morning, God wants to move us from personal revival into cultural reformation. Why should you have a personal revival unless God wants to do something with that personal revival in you? It's not good enough to say, oh Lord, give me a personal revival just so that I have goosebumps and I have all my whatever together. If, if, if there's no outlet, if there's no reason for it, and the reason for personal revival surely should be that we have cultural transformation, that we see our city, our community, our schools, our businesses, our hospitals, our place of work, our shopping centers, our car parks, all these things should change because you have revival. Otherwise, Lord, let me not be nasty. God wants to move us from the cry. Remember I shared about the two cries, the cry that we have to heaven and heaven's cry for earth. And God wants us to have both a cry and a conviction of what it is that he's doing. God wants to move us from fire within us to favor upon us. You know, we shouldn't be praying, oh Lord, won't you light a fire in me that I can just stay toasty and do nothing with it. Because that fire, I guarantee you, will go out. Unless you understand that the fire in you has to become the favor upon you so that we can go and be and do the good things that God has called us. And in the prayer meeting this morning, Brecky was re-emphasizing the need for both the word and for prayer, for word and for spirit. And prayer, as I said over the past couple of weeks, prayer is the pathway. Prayer is the bridge. Prayer is the journey. You know, prayer is proactive. Prayer is something. Prayer is, I don't even know my English now, it's a it's a verb, not a noun. Prayer is engaging. You can't say, Lord, I am going to just pray as a noun. Prayer is something that we engage with because prayer takes us from passion to vision. Prayer takes us from dry bones to valleys and fountains and life. Prayer has a purpose. And if we don't see breakthrough and power in our prayers because we don't understand the purpose of prayer, prayer is a process of transition and transformation. I don't even know why I said that. Maybe it was good for someone. Knowing God is knowing 
God, what God is doing in our day and knowing what to do with it is important. You know, we, too many of us say, oh Lord, give us a, a, a something. And we get that. And if we don't know what to do with it, then again, it's like, why should God give you something unless you know what to do with it? You know, it's pointless, you know, me winning a, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a gift that I just don't know what to do with it or being given something and it just sits in my cupboard cupboard all the time. You know, like in the old days when people used to give me jerseys. It's like, oh Lord, you know, <laughs> I have something. I, know, I don't know what to do with it because I won't wear this this the, this thing. Brecha was saying in the prayer meeting this morning that we have to have our ears close to the mouth of God, that we are a prophetic church. And if we say, Holy Spirit, won't you allow us to have our ears close to your mouth? Won't you speak to us? Don't say that unless you're going to do something with what God shares with you. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time and you're wasting his time. Let God go and share that with somebody who's going to listen to it and act on it and make it happen. Offer the now moment you're looking for was given to us weeks ago. We so want, Lord, I just want the now. I want the quick fix. I want the takeaway. I want the takeout. I want the Facebook lights. I want the notch on my belt. And we so after that that we lose sight that what God is doing in us in the, in the big now, this is what God is doing so that we can go and do something. We lose it. It's a personal responsibility to the journey that we are on. And our day of disconnection and our day of confusion we're living in a time that we have had no other. And for me, friends, this is where real life matters. God is raising up a people of clarity. God is raising up a prophetic people, a people who will contend for the vision of what God has in store for us. But Holy Spirit, won't you give us as a community a vision and allow us to know what that vision is and how we make it happen of passion, we need to be a people of passion. We need to be people of prayer. And we need to be a people of power. I think too often we want to be a people of power, but we, become, we have passion and we want power, but the bridge between them is the prayer. And prayer often is hard work. Prayer is contending. Prayer is consistent. Prayer is not always convenient. But too many of us miss out or we end up with a fake sense of power because the power that we have isn't stewarded and shepherded and found in the prayer of engaging with Holy Spirit. We find our power from podcasts and all sorts of other things where what we do is we just take somebody else's favor, try and make it our own, try and mimic it, and then think we're going to make it happen, but it's not ours. And for instance, as I said a couple of months ago, we need to stoop in the presence of God so we can stand up in the power and the authority of what He has for us. I think the, the, the tremendous thing is that the goal of God is not to get the city into the church. I think this is where we have so much frustration. As a pastor, so often people say to me, how many people are in your church? And when I tell them, they go, oh, okay, I'm going to move on. You know, but the, but the, 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 um, the goal of God isn't to get people into church, it's to get the church into people. It's not to get the, the city into the church, it's to get the church into the city. If we think the goal of God is just to have a lot of people in our garden on a Sunday morning, we've missed it. It's to be able to get everybody who's in our garden on a Sunday morning into their city. So that we can go and do all the amazing things that God has 
for us. Mark, won't you mind coming up and just sharing a bit about what's going to happen next Saturday morning? <coughs> oh, sweet. What are you going to be loud enough? Yeah, I should be fine. Um, so, next Saturday is going to be our last kind of food outreach for the year. So, I'd like to invite as many of you as possible to, to try and make it if you can. Even if you can't go with us into the community, which is preferable if you can. Um, but to at least come and help pack. We're going to do 730 food parcels this time. So, it's going to be the biggest, the biggest one we've done over the last sort of two years since we started. So, it's going to be maize. It's not going to be as many items, but it will be maize, rice, and uh, fresh apples. Nice, nice juicy apples. So we're going to do 730 of those packs. So if you can come and help us Saturday morning to pack them, we've arranged like eight buckies. We normally go out in like three buckies. So it's going to be, it's going to be massive. We just felt just in the generosity of Real Life Church, in the generosity of the people that have sown in, um, we just, yeah, we just want to go and just bless three communities in Mulder's Drift. We're going to do all three communities on the morning. So it's going to set aside the morning is what I'm trying to say <laughs> and come and serve and come and help us. I think it's going to be just in the, in the heart of end of year celebration and celebrating Christ and Christmas. We just want to go and just love on these three communities. So if you can, uh, Saturday morning, eight o'clock, yeah, would be, would be amazing. We're also closer to the trial. It's, it's really difficult, and I know we've tried this in the past, but when the guys bring the stuff from course, we try and get a few people to help on a Friday afternoon just to offload. It's sometimes difficult because we ask them to let us know when they leave Pretoria so we can try and let people know, be uh, at a certain time on a Friday, and sometimes it's a bit tricky. So I'll put that out anyway once we know. Uh, if you can be on standby for that Friday, those who can, who aren't at work, um, would be helpful as well if you can try and help us. So... Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Really looking forward to it. Amen. So for me, that's part of the beauty of where we're able to get the church into the city because we can't take the city into the, into the church. And that's the heart of God. That's what we, 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 we do. And I want, I want to encourage, you know, you can all be part of it. It doesn't mean that you have to be here on Friday. If you can, that's great. It doesn't mean if you, you have to be here on Saturday. If you can... I would greatly appreciate and encourage you to make every effort to be here. But those of you who are inter intercessors, prayer warriors, start to pray now for favor and blessing, that there's multiplication of food, that the, that the food has more vitamins and more nutrients and more goodness, that, that we have opportunity to pray for more people. This is a, this is a week of preparation. This is, this is the moment. We have this moment this week, so that next Saturday morning we have the moment. Now we have the week to prepare for breakthrough, for signs, wonders, miracles, salvations, testimonies, goodness, growth, transformation, revival. The whole week we're going to do the moment before the King of Kings so that we can go on Saturday morning and do a moment in the community. You know, and, and again, that's why all of us can be involved with everything. God is raising up a Nehemiah type of people with a passion and a vision, with a cry, a calling, a commitment to build what God is building and what God is holding onto. Friends, if we don't see what God is holding onto, if we don't see what God is seeing, you won't build what God is building. If you don't see the dry bones, how can you prophesy over the dry bones? 
No, and we're so fearful about, about being focused on maybe those type of things. We just want to see the raw, raw, and, and all those things. But, but the reality is in our own lives. Let's have a sense of reality. Everything is not always hunky-dory. Sometimes we go through weeks or days or months or hours or seasons where everything is just dry bones. But if we look at the dry bones and we recognize the dry bones, we can prophesy into the dry bones rather than living in a sense of supernatural stupidity where we just ignore the things around us. God wants us to see what's happening in our city so that we can go and solve what's happening in our city. God wants us to see what's happening in our community so that we can be a solution to what's happening in our community. And we are the answer to our community. We can't build what God is not building. It'll fall apart. And why do we do that? Because Jesus himself says, I only do what I see my father do. But we kind of think we can do whatever we want to do. We can do what, what's happening on God TV. We can do what's happening in the newspapers. We can do what makes me feel good and comfortable and gives me life. But Holy Spirit, won't you allow us to be Jesus-led and do the things that you are calling us to do? Nehemiah's vision leads him into this moment before the king. After Nehemiah's moment before the king and it's the overwhelming ache of God that we don't just live a life for him but we live a life with him sometimes we give our lives to Jesus but we don't do anything with Jesus and I think there's a huge change that needs to happen where we don't just live for him oh Lord I live for you well how does that look in your community oh Lord I live for you how does that work how does that flesh out in your church oh Lord I give my life do you know God God wants you to give your life and live it with him not just for him I think too often we stop at being saved without work moving into the fullness of having God embrace and be embraced in our lives so here is Nehemiah, a cupbearer before the king. And remember, he's 800 miles away from his passion, his vision. And he goes to this earthly king and asks a favor. Please will you send me out to go do the work of my heavenly king. Nehemiah brings his wine. And as I said last week, he brings his wine and the king notices he's sad. And one of the things here is... For Nehemiah, he was terrified of going into the presence of the earthly king, sad. You know, the servants were like jokers. You had to go in and be happy. The, the culture was you couldn't bring the mood of the, of the kingdom down. You couldn't bring the mood of the court down. You had to go and just be jovial and, and up and up and up the ante of what's happening in the court. You weren't able to be sad before the king because one, you could lose your job. Two, you could lose your, your life. And so you have to be happy before the king. And sometimes I think we do that in church. Lord, I just have to be happy on Sunday morning. I just have to be happy before the king. Because if I'm not looking happy before the king, somebody is going to be upset with me. I'm going to let somebody down because I'm supposed to be joyful in all situations and circumstances. So sometimes when I'm not happy, I put on a facade because I would rather put on a facade than the people know that actually at this moment I'm not happy. But even our King of Kings wants to go, Stu my brew, why are you sad and forlorn? What can I do to help? As even Nehemiah, he was petrified of being sad before the earthly king in case he saw him. But the reality is, even the earthly king was not opposed to Nehemiah's sadness. The earthly king was not offended by Nehemiah's sadness. The earthly king was drawn to Nehemiah's vulnerability and his pain 
and his honesty and his integrity, how much more so our heavenly king, how much more so the priesthood of believers should be drawn to a humility and a uh, intimacy of being able to be vulnerable with where we are. Church, if we understand that the favor we would get in the world when we become more authentic and less religious, it's not about being super spiritual, it's about being super vulnerable. That is what people are really looking for. I think too many people are fed up with the super spiritual and are looking for the super real, the super vulnerable, the super honest, the super integrity people. Vulnerability draws the world to Jesus. The world is drawn to Jesus through our vulnerability, not through our showmanship. And the king asks, how can I help? And Nehemiah replies, with a prayer of God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And the king agrees to this request. Mm. It's a little water. At the moment, I'm wanting coffee. Lord, change water to coffee. Mm. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for prayers answered. Mm. Sometimes you just need to be clever, hey? And the king agrees to his request. The king affirms his mission and releases and sends him. At this stage, if I was Nehemiah, I'd be happy. I wanted to go out. I've been sad before the king. I've asked the king for something. He says, Stu, my brew, go and do what it is that you are, are called to. I'd just be happy, one, that I haven't lost my job and I've still got my head on my shoulders. You know, let alone the fact that he, he sent me. But in verse 7, Nehemiah asks for more. Like, really? I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the provinces west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through the territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to ask for the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I needed to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. Like ridiculous. How audacious is Nehemiah. Won't you send me? Won't you allow me to go and do my, my, my vision and what I've got things to do? And then the king says, sure, dude, off you go. And he says, and whilst you're there, won't you give me letters of favor? And the king goes, sure thing. And whilst you're there, won't you allow me to get all the timber that I need to rebuild my things? And the king goes, sure, wh whatever. And he says, and whilst I'm there, I want my own house too. I want timber for travel, and I want timber for my home. It's almost as if Nehemiah understands that he's dwelling in a sense of favor. And so he's just going, I have favor. So I'm not going to scuttle out here because I've got the crumbs under the table. I'm not going to scuttle out here because I've got the lowest common denominator. I'm going to go for more. And friends, when we understand the residual favor and blessing and anointing that we have, especially when we are together as family, because sometimes I don't arrive on a Sunday morning feeling anointed. Sometimes I don't arrive on a Sunday morning feeling I've got everything together. Sometimes I, like, I think, oh my goodness, Lord, 
thought I wish I was a banker and I could have the morning off and I get over that quite quickly. But, but when I'm connecting with the rest of you and, and I just feel the favor and the glory and the anointing and the blessing and everything, then my spirit gets excited because my spirit engages with your spirit and you allow me to come alive. So I, if I'm preaching far too long, it's your fault. And Nehemiah understands the beauty of the residual favor, of staying in the favor. Sometimes I think we have encounters with God. Sometimes I think we have a, a moment with, with God. But we don't understand that we need to linger longer in the presence of God. We need to understand that we have the ability just to stay there and suck it all in and make the most of it. But friends, we often feel that we need to be chased from one mo little moment to the next little moment. And we miss out on staying in the moment, in the passion, in the prayer, in the anointing, in the glory, in the presence of Holy Spirit. So we rush off from the presence into a pursuit of something. And God wants us to stay in His presence, not running off into our performance. We settle for the small things that we think God is doing when God is saying, I have so much more for you to do. I have so much for you to be involved with. God wants to give you more than you deserve. So God will always give you more than what you deserve, but God will seldom give you more than what you ask for. So Nehemiah is grateful that the king is sending him but then he asked the king to fund his mission. Verse 8. I will need to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls and the house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was upon me. When we linger in these moments, we get the glory and the benefit in these moments. And too often we pursue, we, we run after, we perform, we do all these things. And we don't understand why there isn't any favor on us. Surely they should see how amazing and how anointed and how good and how awesome I am. Guys, people don't always see that because they want to see the overflow of this. And Nehemiah says, I want to build, I need timber for the beams. I want the beams to go and build the fortress and the walls. And yet as far as we know, Nehemiah has never been to Jerusalem. Only later on in chapter 2, he walks among the ruins. And I think it's like what Brecht was saying this morning, to be a prophetic group of people, even Candace bringing a prophetic direction to the meeting this morning, be able to pray over the dry bones because we see something else. Long before Nehemiah walked amongst the ruins, Nehemiah prayed amongst the ruins. Long before we go out into the city, we pray for the city. Long before we change our city, we pray for our city. Long before we get that breakthrough, we pray for that breakthrough. The more we spend time in this moment, the more we will see in these moments. And Nehemiah does this with such an authenticity. Nehemiah prophetically sees the beams that the city will need. And therefore he's able to go to the earthly king and say, this is what I need to be able to build what I prophetically and spiritually seen friends we need to become more audacious with father god with holy spirit and with the people around us but we need to know what it is that god is doing so that we can say this is what we need to go and build build that nehemiah doesn't just have a prayer nehemiah has a plan 
We can't just pray for people to be fed on Saturday morning. We need to have a plan for people to be fed on Saturday morning. It's the Word and the Spirit. Jeff was saying earlier on in worship, when you speak, Lord, our ears are open. And it's so true. The reality is our ears are open. But what are our ears open to? Are our ears open to the chaos and the confusion and the mess and the chamos and the, and, and, you know, even like I, I so agree with Brachy, podcasts are not, you know, sometimes a, a podcast is going to be okay, but often the podcast is not okay because God is speaking to that person in that city, in that nation for that moment that belongs to them. And God is saying a different thing. I haven't heard any American prophesy and ask a breakthrough with regards to load shedding and blackouts. Does that mean they don't exist? No. What's happening in other parts of the world is different to what's happening here. We need the local voices. We need the prophetic voices. We need the seers to rise up in our culture, to rise up in real life, to rise up in Job, so that we can know and see and understand the times for Johannesburg. This is a, oh, there is a lot, a lot happens. Oh, so where am I? The, my spelling is so bad. <laughs> Uh, I've got to like, have like interpretation for my notes sometimes. We need to have not just a prayer, but we need to have a plan. And I think so often believers, no, I think believers generally have a prayer and a plan. I think often Christians with a small c, don't, they, they may have a prayer, but they don't have a plan. I think too often people think that they can wing it spiritually. I'm just going to wing it before the king. No, uh, so people can have an assignment, but they just have no timber. I'm just going to do something, and if it's God, it'll be all right on the day. Why do you even start something unless you have a vision and a plan that you know what, that God is in it with you? I'm not saying you need to have the solution, but you, be, you need to have a purpose, powerful, Holy Spirit plan to be able to do it. Nehemiah knows what he wants, but Nehemiah also knows what it takes. We can't just know what we want. We need to know what it takes. Nehemiah doesn't just have passion. Nehemiah has a plan. Nehemiah has wisdom. He doesn't just have the Spirit of God. He has the strategy of God. Friends, when, when people come and say, I, I, God is going to do this for me. I just sense in the Spirit that God is going to unlock the most amazing things for me. I say, so what is the strategy of God? It's like, huh? Is there a strategy? Is there a plan? I don't need that. I just got Holy Spirit. Okay, just you and Holy Spirit often is just not good enough. You need to have the strategy and the plan of Holy Spirit to be able to go and do things that God has called you to. Ah, tangent coming. Friends, I honestly believe that those who live from the Spirit into the strategy, those who live from fire into favor, and those who live from prayer into plan, will be the people who will rebuild our city for generations to come. If we have a people who have the spirit and the strategy, the fire and the favor, the prayer and the plan, we will be a group of people who can change and rebuild our city and our community. The rest will just come to church every week and sing about it. And the majority will stay at home and pray about it. Personal revival must flow into cultural transformation. And that's where I believe God is taking us in the season ahead. We don't want an assignment. We don't want to be sent. 
we don't have what we need to build and we get frustrated when God doesn't show up. Nehemiah is saying that he needs protection, but he also needs product. And then Nehemiah goes even further. By this stage, I'm going, dude, you are overstepping the, the mark. Where Nehemiah says, I will need to make beams for the gates and for the temple fortress, for the city walls, but I also need a house for myself. Oh, my giant. I want all of this, but I also want something for me. Friends, there's a strange dynamic in the church. When we come into His presence, we ask, we believe that small prayers are more spiritual. It just keeps me humble. It just keeps me in my place. Let me be meek and mild and just ask God for the bare minimum, just in case He doesn't have enough to go around just in case he doesn't have enough for anyone. And I think sometimes there's this false sense of of humility. I'm not going to ask God because, you know, and it's nonsense. But Because we need to move beyond what we want to what it takes. The nerve of Nehemiah asking the king, won't you give me enough timber for my own house? But here is the reality. If the vision is going to be sustainable, God doesn't just want us to have a vision. God wants us to have health. And God wants us to have a plan. And if we believe God's called us to do something, we need to believe that God will give us everything we need to fulfill what God has called us to. I think too often we don't know what it is that God wants for us. We, uh, we bring what we need. We forget to ask God for what it will take. Oh Lord, I need this. But if I'm going to do this, this is what I need. This is what it's going to take. And because of that, many people have given themselves wholeheartedly to building God's house, but have neglected to build their own. Friends, there's wisdom in pursuing the dreams of God, but there's wisdom in protecting your own house too. God is drawn to those who want to do things healthily. We don't talk about health often enough. Accountability, friends, is when we know one another to hold one another to a healthy relationship with God. I would suggest that most people won't get burnt out, frustrated and upset with God and God not so-called coming through if we had a healthy environment to steward the plan and the strategy of kingdom of God over one another's lives. We have a meat, alcohol, wheat, dairy, detox on a regular basis. I would suggest that most people going into January are going to do some form of sugar detox or something. You know, <laughs> Emil goes, not, no way. But we, 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 we have a physical detox on a regular basis. But when last did you have a religious detox? Sometimes we need a religious detox as much as we need a wheat or gluten detox. We go for a physical health check on a regular basis. When last did you have a spiritual health check to make sure we are living healthily? And what does, how does a spiritual or a religious detox look like? Friends, this only happens in one place, and that's a local church. Why? Because it's the way of God. 
And the reason why I say that is we're not building a church for 2022. We're not planning and strategizing for 2022. We strategize and build it with eternity in mind. God has given you what you ask for and what it takes and what you need. And for many of us this morning, I think that sounds tremendously selfish. Oh Lord, won't you give me the things for the kingdom, things for my mission, things for my mandate, but won't you give me timber for my house too? We think it's irresponsible to come to Him and go, Father, I have a need. I need what it takes to do the things that you've called me to. And again, this is lived out in community where the people around you will be able to know you well enough to remind you of what, it, what you need and what it takes. And sometimes it's taking a time off. Sometimes it's being able to steward something. Sometimes it's being able to change how we think about something. Sometimes it's being able to have people around you to be audacious and bold enough to pray with you and alongside you, not just for your immediate needs, but for the needs of what it takes. And it's, this, this isn't a prosperity gospel. This is a healthy gospel. God wants people who are whole and healthy, people who don't get crushed by their vision. And then Nehemiah gets what he doesn't ask for. The king sends his own army with Nehemiah. For me, this is a profound Old Testament picture of the New Testament invitation. Jesus invites us to come boldly. We can come. We can come boldly. We can ask for what we want and we can ask for what it takes. What it needs to do the things that God has. And it gives God great joy to be able to bless his children with what they need and what it takes to do the things of kingdom. Every time we put out a request for buckies and people to come help with, with outreach, Mark reminds me that what we need and what, it, we, and what it will take is for us to have our own vehicles and our own buckies and our own everything. And so Mark has consistently reminded me, Stu, we need to pray in the extra buckies and vehicles that we need. For those who are longing to live and to, and to rebuild, for those who find themselves in the confusion of culture, in the confusion of politics, theology, or identity, we need passion, we need vision. And friends, we need to be this prophetic group of people where we see into the future, where we see the dry bones, and we just start to declare life on those bones. Won't the flesh form on those dry bones? Won't breath be breathed into those dry bones won't those dry bones come to life as i look into the seasons ahead i get more and more excited about what god has in store for each and every one of you and therefore what god has in store for us and so i'm declaring asking father you know what we need and what we need for what it'll take won't you release finances into our coffers so that we can do what it takes. Won't you bring people into our community so we've got more hands and more voices and more people so that we can do what it needs to take place. With setup, with the musos, with the band, 
with a venue for next year. We need a venue. We can't stay here for the, for the rest of our days. And then I'm stressed out on Saturday. Lord, bless the farmers, but take the rain away from Douglasdale. You know, what are we going to do this morning? And as soon as people arrive in the morning, I go, oh, you know, we, 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 we need, if we believe that children are important, we need a venue where we can honor children better. If we believe that the 20s and 30s are important, we need a venue where we can do things like that better. I'm tremendously grateful that we get the opportunity to, to do this, but we can still do this. But Father, if you want us to impact, if you want us to do more, if you want to take us into those places, we need what it will take. We need the people. We need the finances. We need the resources. We need a healthy group of people. We need you. I need you. And I trust you need one another. Because that's what family is. And that's why God has brought us together. Family first. Holy Spirit, won't you allow us this morning to see the areas in our lives where we have had a, and even if we've done it with good attitude, where we have had an unhealthy sense of humility, where we have thought it was selfish to ask for more. And Father, in this story, and so many testimonies that we have where there's earthly provision for kingdom things. Lord, you can use anyone and you can use everyone. We repent, I repent of not trusting you for more. We have settled for meek and mild. This morning, Holy Spirit, in our own lives, won't you allow us to journey and pray into the seasons ahead into the visions, into the passion, into the plans that you have for us. Won't you give us a supernatural strength of strategy in spirit for the season ahead that we can see those things and we can start to call in what we need to make them happen. Personal revival, personal dreams, personal homes, personal buildings, personal cars, personal breakthrough in our work situations. For some of us, we just need friends, good, godly, accountable friends who remind us of the goodness of God. Lord, allow us to see the walls that you want to, us to build so we can plan for them long before we ever get there. Holy Spirit, won't you give us your strategy so that when we get there we're not caught off guard and we seem to be fumbling around not knowing what to do. Holy Spirit, we choose to spend more time in the moment with the King of Kings that we can find favor in a moment with an earthly king. 
Holy Spirit, won't you allow us to spend more time in your presence and less time in performance? Father, I thank you that you dream big for us. I ask this morning that you allow us to catch up and have a glimpse more of the dreams that you have for us. I ask Holy Spirit that you make us feel ill. Now you're getting nervous. That we have knots in our stomach because we are so overwhelmed in a godly sense about the exciting, amazing things that you have for us. That we have, oh my God, Giants, what, how on earth am I going to do this? How amazing is this that you have called me, that you've called us for such a time as this? I prophetically claim the breakthrough that is on its way over our lives. I prophetically claim that although we don't yet see it in the natural, we're seeing it in the supernatural. We're seeing the the floodgates open up. We've seen the provision of finances open up. We've seen a change in, in relational direction. We see a change in work situations. We see an upgrade in, in, in vehicles. We see an upgrade in dreams. We see a breakthrough in family. I speak to those dry bones over every single one of us, the areas of dry bones in our lives, and we look to them in the future and we say, right now I'm preparing a place in the presence of the King of Kings to start to prophesy with faith and with strategy and with purpose and with planning. I don't do things blindly. I do things spiritually. Father, I want more of you. I want all of you. I look at my breakthrough now and I say, speed it up. Speed it up. Jesus, your first miracle was when your mom said to, to, to you that you must turn water into wine and you said my time has not come Jesus you didn't even think your time has come and yet your mom said my boy your time has come this is your moment I want to say to each and every one of you this morning may the plans and the time of God be sped up because this is your breakthrough this is your moment and when you thinking that your time has not yet come I'm saying to you like Jesus did your time is here and your time is now let the water turn to wine let the dry bones turn to life let the dry bones turn to valleys of joy in our lives and of breakthrough and of prosperity for a good sense of healthy understanding of who and whose we are. I want it and I want it all. But all I want is what Jesus has called me and us to. But what he has called you and me to, I want every morsel of that. Let no crumb be left behind. Holy Spirit, won't you make me a, a, a supernatural vacuum cleaner that I just go around and I suck up everything that you have given me. Everything. Absolutely. And more. Uh, yeah, I want a compound harvest. I, I just want to declare over all. Won't you stand? Let's, let's engage in it for a second. And, and friends, loudness isn't bravado. 
Loudness doesn't make it more spiritual. It's just I'm stirring, I'm stirring up the passion inside of me so that my spirit and, and everything comes into, into unity, that my mind, that you know, I'm, I'm speaking out loud so that my ears can hear what my spirit is trying to say because sometimes my ears don't always work. Addison reminds me of that on a, on a regular basis. <laughs> and so I say to each and every one of us, we call in the good and the great and the amazing things of heaven. We say to the dry bones in our lives, you be made whole. We say to the sinew, we say to the fat, we say to the muscle on those dry bones, you start to come together and you come together now. I want breakthrough and I want it now. I don't want to wait until next year. I don't want to wait until next month. I don't want to wait until coffee time. I want it right now. May your vision and your dreams abound in me and may we get what we need to do the things that you've called us to. Because you are amazing and in you we are amazing. And each and every one of us is amazing. And this is not false hope, this is reality. Friends, I think some... Oh, uh, thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. Off you go Jeffrey. Candice, over to you. Thank you for listening. 